I'm Trevor Cummings, and these are my thoughts on money. Hello, and welcome to the Thoughts on Money podcast, what we like to call Tom. I'm Trevor Cummings, your author of the Thoughts on Money blog, and your host of the Thoughts on Money podcast. I'm here today with a new guest, not a first-time guest, but a new guest, Mr. Joe Klein. Thank you, Trevor. Second time here. First time caller, second, no, I'm just kidding, <laughs> however, however that goes. Um, we are here today recording a, a, a podcast about an article I wrote called The Dream Team. And if you ever, and Brian Tong knows this, he records this every week, if you ever give me any possible way that I can talk about basketball in an article, I will find a way to plug it into there. So I'm going to ask you, are you a March Madness fan? I am, yes, although it's the only time I really pay attention to college. Well, that's true for everybody. <laughs> Um, who did you pick in your finals? We're going to record this. So, I mean, this is like, people are going to be able to look back to see if you were right or wrong. Well, I'm probably going to be wrong. I picked Gonzaga over Auburn. Perfect. I had Kentucky over Auburn. So we'll see how it plays out. What is your favorite part about March Madness? You have a bunch of young individuals who are really competing and really want it. And it's refreshing to see someone care that much about something. And they don't even get paid for it, which that's a whole nother can of worms we can talk about on a different time. Yeah, maybe they do get paid now. I don't know. Uh, the oh. whole likeness of name and all that stuff. We will leave that for another time. So here's my favorite part about March Madness. This, the, To me, this is the best part. Single elimination. There's drama with every single game. Every single game. You leave everything on the court. You watch, the, I know you're a baseball fan, you watch the World Series or you watch, uh, you know, NBA Championship. Game one, okay. I mean, the, the, it's that, uh, you know, best out of seven or best out of five or whatever the series is. It's just a different vibe. You have a bunch of young people that this is their chance in the limelight. Single elimination. Everything will be left on the court. It's amazing. I also love that the objective for each school is entirely different. The objective for Gonzaga is different than the objective from a Murray State or name your smaller school like Yale. Their objective is to win a game or two, and they're happy with that. And I think anyone who roots for the team is probably happy with that. So it's, it's refreshing to see different kind of bar being set at every individual level. Those five seed, twelve seed games are always interesting because, like you're saying, one of those teams has nothing to lose. Like the Vegas odds are against them, so really they're just coming out and uh, loss is expected, and a win is a huge surprise. Absolutely. One thing I mentioned in the article is uh, I do like NBA basketball better than college basketball. Sorry, David Bonson. Um, and I had a hypothesis that was relative to what we're going to talk about today. I was very curious, and, and again, it was a hypothesis. I, I felt like I knew the answer I was going to get. I wanted to look at, when you look at NBA championship teams, how often is the MVP from that particular year also on that championship team? So I just grabbed, uh, I'll say, okay, what did the last, what did everything in the 2000s look like? And in those 22 seasons I looked at, five times. So less than a quarter of the time, the MVP was on the championship team. Why do I bring that up? Because today I want to talk about this evolution of the finance industry away from a focus on individuals into a focus on teams. One of the big reasons I wanted you on this call is that you are at the forefront of our family office services. And to me, you are kind of becoming the glue that really shows all the different parts together that we put for clients. Does it make sense what I mean by that? Absolutely. I one thing I recognize 
not every firm of our size and particularly ones that are smaller have someone like me even on the team. It's, it's not common that you have a dedicated financial planner, let alone a financial planning team to support the advisor and ultimately support the journey that the client's on to achieve their goals and objectives. And when I look back at the history of the Bonza Group, I see the Bonza Group, and I talked a little bit of the article, the evolution of the finance industry. I also see the evolution of the Bonson Group, even just our infrastructure, like that we have these departments. Like the only reason you and I are able to talk right now on this recording is because of a gentleman named Brian Tong. So a lot of our clients come to us and they say they appreciate what? Our communication. We would not be able to communicate to our clients if it wasn't for Brian Tong and Glenn Hall. So that is deliverable that you might say, wait, your financial advisor team has a communications team? We do. And it's one of kind of the favorite attributes for a lot of our clients of what we deliver. So then we look, okay, then we have an operations team and they have specialization. We look at, for you, a a planning team and the specializations that you guys bring. And we see all these internal parts. And then what do we add on top of that? external parts, right? We have a partnership with a CPA firm. We have a relationship with an insurance broker and how, what we've been trying to build over time. And we're starting to see the fruits of that labor is basically whatever a financial need a client might have, we want to be able to scratch that itch. And and I know you're probably thinking in your mind, well, we're not there yet. Like we we still have a lot more to go, right? There's there's no victory laps, but I'm really proud of what I've seen us built and now what we can actually deliver to a client. As someone who's seen the Bonson Group grow over a number of years, the evolution, it's been pretty extraordinary, and the level of specialization can continue to grow. You have someone like yourself, Trevor, who knows intimately about the client situation. You bring me in for specific needs, specific questions. I can answer most of them just like you could answer most of them the first time around, but then I bring a different level of knowledge and a different, different tool set. And then there's the next layer beyond that that goes outside our firm. When we think about the attorneys, the CPAs, that all ties back to bringing a better outcome and better solution for the client that you, the advisor, could get most of the way there, but you may not be able to get 100% of the way there. I help you get a little bit further. And then we have a third party who helps us ultimately get to the end goal and the client is better off for it in every single step. There was one thing I wrote in this article that I didn't realize until I wrote it. And that is often true. A little bit of a side note, I will often mention to people, like I'm a Christian and in my faith, I get so much learning from being a Sunday school teacher. Um, And as an advisor, I get so much learning from writing these articles. And like I said, when I wrote this sentence, I basically wrote like when I first became a financial advisor, I had such an appetite for knowledge. So I went out and I wanted to learn the language of tax, the language of estate planning, the language of insurance. And as I went on this journey, and gosh, you've heard this so much, but the more I learned, the more I realized I didn't know. And now I look at my um, kind of at this part in my career, I use more partners than I ever have. And what I find myself being is a lot of time being a communicator or a translator or identifying that right person from the Rolodex that's a good fit. But I lean on those specializations um, heavily. 
I was in a conversation with one of our insurance partners yesterday, and, and I'm buying a new house. For me personally, with him just going through my homeowner's insurance policy and looking at each piece to say, hey, with your new house and what you have outside, does this coverage seem sufficient? Because this part only covers the, the interior dwelling, and here's the outside. And then, hey, if something was to happen and, and you had to go rent a place for a couple of years, is this uh, enough coverage? So to go in with a fine-tooth comb and look through all that stuff, Again, I can be conversational in that area, but he is drawing attention to things that I, I would really never kind of naturally know, and I'm in the profession. It goes a long way to have that person who spends all of their time on a specific subject matter. And I think the ability to lean on those people when they're needed, and they're not going to be needed all the time, but to be able to bring them in-house for a particular moment, to use your MBA, sticking on the MBA analogy, it's a player that plays the whole game versus a player that comes in for a certain situation. And you don't need to play all 48 minutes of a basketball game. But someone can. You can also have different parts of the team that come in for different situations at particular moments in time where their skill set is most required. Are they going to be there for the entire game? No. But for a particular play, for a particular moment, they're the best person to do the job. And it's an interesting that you bring that up, me being a Warriors fan. Uh, it's very difficult because the the stat sheet won't capture all the details, right? Uh, I know Warrior fans have felt over the last two months without Draymond Green the impact that he will have on the basketball floor. Now, he might only have seven points and five or six assists and seven or eight rebounds, but he might be one of the more crucial people on the court. Um, some people will argue, again, we won't get into this argument, um, of maybe Dennis Rodman being one of the greatest players of all time um, for what he brought to the court. Um, so I, I would say what I looked at when I was writing this article, I was super curious about the history of the financial advice industry. And one of the things I said in here is that if you're listening to this podcast or if you read the article – there's a good chance you have a financial advisor, but there's also a good chance that your parents had a broker. And there was a difference between a, a broker and, and a financial advisor. The, the term financial advisor was probably birthed for this idea that this person would send her around giving financial advice. But again, what was a broker? They were an intermediary that were brokering a trade. So one of those professions was centered around guidance, and the other profession was centered around a transaction. And I think when the industry transitioned from, well, how do transitions happen? It's always the desire of the customer, right? So when the customer said, hey, we feel uncomfortable with commissions and uh, portfolio turnover and advice centered around compensation. We want something different. So then you have this birth of the financial advisor. And post 2008, you have a lot of advisors putting themselves out there as fiduciaries, saying that they have a legal responsibility to act in their client's best interest. I am now arguing there's now like a, a third or fourth wave of an evolution where it can't be an MVP. You can't have an MVP financial advisor you need a team. And this idea that uh, it's not MVPs that win championships, but teams that win championships. So now what I've said is that clients were, again, going through this timeline, clients were reserved about asking the broker questions because they didn't want to be sold something. 
once the financial advisor put themselves out there as a fiduciary, then this kind of trust started to happen. And they were like, hey, you think you could give me some advice on this next car I'm going to purchase? What about my kids' plans for college? Could you review my property and casualty insurance and and give advice on that? Once that was open um, and clients had that trust and they were inviting uh, the financial advice giver into their life, um, it changed. The advisor then had to up their acumen and they realized, I don't know if I can be a jack of all trades because I really will be a master of none. And and that's where I, I feel like we are today as an industry. I, I think there are some some legacy solo practitioners, and, and I'm not here to, to, to make a dig on them. I'm saying that's a very difficult place to be. And I, I know David Bonson, when he uh, kind of birthed this idea of doing family office services, it was all centered around what would he want if he was a client? And, and, and all of that is built around having a team that would serve his financial needs. Financial planning and financial advice is really broad. There's so many different elements that could be covered. You touched on a few of them. There are so much beyond the, what's my asset allocation? And way beyond, hey, can I have a stock tip? So to, to be able to master all of those areas is somewhat impossible or will be really, really challenging. May not even be legally allowed to. When we think about things like estate planning or giving specific tax advice. So that's where the team comes in and, and being able to work with professionals that cover those areas very intimately. And again, the range is broad from tax to estate, to insurance, the investments, retirement planning, intergener- uh, tra- transfer of wealth between grandparent to child to grandchild. Yeah, and I think one thing we we hone in here, when we talk about team, there's two parts to it. And I think people forget the second part. We'll we'll say the obvious is that there is a group of professionals with a specialization or expertise serving one person. The second part that's often forgotten, but extremely important, are those professionals collaborating with one another. And I think that that collaboration is huge. Because I will tell you, at, at this point in my career, when somebody comes to me with a question that I see there's an intersection of taxes, I, I often will say, I'm 99% sure this is going to be the right advice, but I need your CPA to jump on the phone with us and just give a stamp of approval. Because I want to make sure the two professionals that are giving you advice in this area where there is this crossover, right, where the diagrams are crossing over one another, that both are on the same page, that you can feel confident that your entire team is unified in this advice that you're getting. Collaboration is really critical, and this is not necessarily that bigger is also better. I think if you have a tight-knit group that cover different areas, different knowledge bases, that will go a long way. But having three financial advisors or having three CPAs or having three attorneys, that, that will probably muddy the waters. And being able to have those specific individuals and have them talk to each other as opposed to them being on different islands, which goes back to the family office services that you'd mentioned earlier, Trevor, and having these pieces talk to one another, having these professionals talk to one another. I think about, uh, I had this idea earlier of running a three-legged race. And if you're tied together, 
you can you can kind of make it happen. But if people are off in different directions, then it's not going to work. Yeah, it goes back to this idea too. Like internally here at the, the Bonson Group, we do create redundancies to make sure we get rid of key man risk. But from the client's perspective, those redundancies, if they are creating them, can muddy the waters. Again, I'm coming from a Christian background where you will often hear people say things like there is wisdom in the counsel of many. And that is true. And, and that's what we see as that team approach. But where people can get confused is sometimes they'll say things like, hey, I'm going to have two or three or four financial advisors because I want to diversify where I'm getting my advice from. To me, the appropriate quote there is that there's too many cooks in the kitchen because I've been on part of those teams. And what happens to the detriment of the client, I often will give advice and they'll say, well, advisor over here doesn't agree with that advice. And I go, I don't, I don't know what to say. I mean, I've come to this conclusion based on convictions, empirical evidence, and, and all these things. I can always understand that there are different perspectives, but if the client is always in a tug of war where they don't know what advice to take, um, it's, it's paralyzing. So sometimes or often I, I will talk about this idea of the benefits of consolidation and that a client sometimes will have to lean into their intuition and they'll have to find out, hey, of the group of folks that I'm using, where do I align the most trust? Where do I kind of enjoy talking to that particular person? Where is the highest level of competency? And they will have to make a decision because, you know, when you jump on that football field, unless you're the New Orleans Saints, you don't usually throw two or three quarterbacks on the field at the same time, right? <laughs> so there's there's got to be somebody who is playing that position. And often advisors, myself included, will refer to ourselves as a quarterback or as a point guard because we're a facilitator, right? We're trying to put the ball in the hands of the person that is most appropriate for the particular thing that the client's trying to achieve. I also want to add to that and say that if you hire the right advisor, I think diversification will naturally occur because they're going to be a team. It's not going to be a solo practitioner. I think the right individual is going to have the humility that they're not going to know the answer to every question, or at least they know that they can get 90 to 99% of the way there, but they want somebody else to give that stamp to get them the extra one, 10%, whatever it may be. And I will say from my own experience working with folks like you, Trevor, or other advisors here at the Bonson Group, we may not initially come to the same conclusion for the same problem, but that's the beauty of collaboration. That's the beauty of working together. And note that for the client, this all occurs under one roof and it all occurs in the background and that there's that natural friction between two individuals that see the same thing, have slightly different opinions on it. And then we figure out what the right answer is for the client. And then that finally gets presented to the client. But that friction all occurs under one roof. There's a collaboration there. And if you again, if you hire the right advisor, I think you have that diversification of thought. When I'm put in the position of, of helping to hire a new person here at the Bonson Group, um, there are two attributes that I usually will tell David Bonson, like, hey, these are attributes I really like. The first one is not going to have a lot to do with what we're talking about right now. I think coachability right, uh, is, a, is a huge part that we should look for as far as a, an attribute that somebody brings to the table. The second part is, I think here is, is very uh, applicable, and that is somebody that has an insatiable curiosity. 
clients will bring forth questions that are unique. There might be crossover that we've gotten a similar question before, but if we have that inside of ourselves, you, Joe Klein, and me, Trevor Cummings, this insatiable curiosity of like, man, I really, I'm salivating. I want to find a solution for this person that scratches all the itches that they described uh, in, in intersection of legacy and taxes and, and all that stuff. Like for us, that is enjoyable. We are naturally problem solvers. So give us that difficult Sudoku or the, the hard puzzle to solve. And we want to go at it from a different angle, think outside of the box and try to find a solution to the needs of that client. That's what I love about legacy planning. There's so many things, so many directions that we can go in. There's so many tools available, but what really is so important is what matters to the client. If you have an individual that wants to give away 99% of their wealth when it needs to transfer versus an individual that wants to give 99% of their wealth to their children, we're going to have completely different paths, even though their objective is similar. They want to give 99% of their wealth to something or somebody. And in the world of legacy planning, there's so many different routes to go, all informed by what the client's objectives are. And that allows us to put the pieces together. And that's a puzzle that is a lot of fun for me to solve. I love doing it. And that's the beauty of the family office services and being involved in such an intimate way, not only with the wealth creators or those that hold the wealth, but then the next generation who is poised to inherit it and be the steward of those assets, maybe not today, growing over time, five years from now to 15 years from now, and, and so on and so forth from there. Yeah, I, I agree. That is a, a huge part. That is, uh, most clients are underserved in, in that area. Now, perhaps from listening to this conversation, you are convinced now. You're like, Joe, Trevor, I, I, I agree with you guys. A, a team approach is better than a, an individual approach. The next question you might start going down the path of is this idea of just like practical application or what does that really look like in the real world? For clients I work with, they will often see this thing I call the project checklist. And it, to me, I often will call it like financial hygiene. Like there are these, I don't know, 15 to 20 broad areas within personal finance of things that we should review, go over, recalibrate, make sure that they are appropriate for what that person's aspirations are. What do you typically do when you have 15 to 20 things? You have to prioritize them. And you have to see, hey, what of these 15 to 20 things is most important to this client? And it could be a wide range. Maybe a client really wants right now to solve, hey, I've got three little kids and I want to know what paying for college looks like. Um, or maybe they're around the corner of building a brand new house and they're trying to figure out, hey, what does financing look like for this? So what I'm trying to encourage clients, whether they work with the Bonsa Group or a, another practice or another team, is what is your project checklist? I think clients are often surprised to hear me say that we're going to pick two, three, four things that we want to accomplish in 2022. And they might say, really, like we're going to take all year to do these things. Yeah, some of these things are big. They take a while. What I love seeing, though, is that we take things from the to-do list to the done list. So that, uh, you know, goes along with this idea of Rome wasn't built in a day or how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time. 
But a lot of times a client could be three or four years into a relationship and there's still areas within that project checklist that we're working on. And guess what? When we get to the bottom of the list, we kind of start over, right? Because at that point then, oh, it's actually now a good time to go review that estate planning that we did four years ago and make sure it's still appropriate. Oh, now you have another grandkid that looks like uh, they were born and uh, you know there's some college aspirations there or what your funding needs are. So it creates this idea that, yes, we are going to deliver investment management. That's table stakes. But now this broader project checklist of what we're going to do, why? To bring value to our clients. I think the relationships go so much deeper than the stocks and the asset allocation. The the depth of questions around investing and savings, around where your money is going, whether it's a say cash or a retirement account, to a brokerage account, charitable giving, items along the lines of estate planning, and I think there's always going to be something to work on. There may be things that the recommendation is you're good where you are, something that we could say to clients. But life evolves, situations change, and there's so many facets of financial planning that need to be covered. And for my role here at the Bonson Group, working in our services and planning department, for every financial planning engagement that I have, my goal is to help the advisor create that checklist. There are multiple items, and that can be executed and worked on over months and, frankly, years. And to your point, Trevor, after you go through the five, seven, ten items, by the time those are all finished, because we're doing them in such a way where it's thorough and well thought out, by the time all those are finished, it's probably time to start looking at things that you've already completed a few years ago. Or, like I just said, life changes. New things come into the picture. This should There should be something to work on. And I think if we're doing our job well, that's how we're enriching our clients' lives and working towards their objectives which also may change. So not only do circumstances change, but maybe the goalposts move too. And the funny thing is there's also the reality of dominoes. There's this if-then effect that we have to look at. So, okay, we make this recommendation for this particular client and there's some capital gains and we realized, okay, we just have to be clear and understanding what impact will that have on Medicare premiums, yes. right? I, I talked to one of our uh, internal team members the other day. We, we were talking about life insurance and what the appropriate coverage is. And I was encouraging that, hey, maybe a little bit more coverage for a little bit longer time makes more sense for your situation. And their response was, yeah, but the cost there is going to be a little bit more. So again, that's one of those if-then things. So I was like, wait, have we looked at using an FSA for dependent care and what tax savings that would be. And even in that short conversation, we figured out a way to create tax savings that would cover the uh, elevated cost of insurance premiums. So understanding the impact one thing has on something else and going through that is why our job is difficult. <laughs> and it's uh, it really is sometimes a, a riddle. This is where I want to end, and I'll give you an opportunity to, to give some final thoughts, too. But a lot of what we introed was about basketball, about March Madness, about, man, the tears on those young men or women's eyes when they are cutting down the net and they won a championship. It is unreal. So what, how does that relate to what we do? David Bonson, if you work at the Bonson Group, you know this, writes out a morning email every day. And in a recent morning email he mentioned a client relationship and he was just going through the timeline and history of serving that person 15 to 20 years. 
and uh, remembering when the 529 college savings plans were first funded, and now they're empty because they paid for all the tuition, and helping transition from one job to another, which was a difficult time for this client, and then being able to tell the client, hey, you can retire tomorrow. Those are championships if you're a financial advisor. Building out a timeline of financial wins for a client and knowing that your advice had an impact on that person's life, that's a championship for a financial advisor. I'll end with coordination and the just the impact of coordination between professionals, the impact of coordination between the plan itself, the example you gave just a few minutes ago between taxes, between insurance, and how those all interconnect. And if you're working in a cohesive manner, that's how you win. Yeah, I will say amen to that. Um, <laughs> So uh, at this point in the podcast, like I usually ask you, um, well, actually, first I'll say this. If you have any questions for Mr. Joseph Klein or Trevor Cummings, it's a very easy email address, T-O-M, that's Tom, at thebonsagroup.com. You can address that email to Joe, to Trevor, whoever you would like. We'd be happy to answer your questions. Um, Comments are welcome. Ideas for future shows and things that you would like us to hear or talk about. Again, all those things are welcome. We ask that you rate the podcast five stars are preferred. Comments are welcome. And then, uh, of course, in the midst of March Madness, we'll be back next week with more of our Thoughts Thoughts on on Money. The Bonson Group is registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there is no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance and is not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analysis, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. The team and Hightower shall not in any way be liable for claims and make no expressed or implied representations or warranties as to the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information, or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information referenced herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This podcast was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the team and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates. Hightower Advisors do not provide tax or legal advice. This material was not intended or written to be used or presented to any entity as tax advice or tax information. Tax laws vary based on the client's individual circumstances and can change at any time without notice. Clients are urged to consult their tax or legal advisor before establishing a retirement plan.